All right, I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12. You can find Romans chapter 12. Uh, I got to check. I'm a living free guys here. Y'all here? Okay. Yeah, there they are. Good. Got the living free girls too here. I just love them all. And I love you too. I'm glad you're here. <clears throat> all right, y'all got this. I really like for you to see it in the Bible because as my wife says, you, you need to tell the truth. I want you to make sure it's in there. I'm talking not about becoming who you were created to be. And I want you to listen tonight from scripture about what the Bible says about becoming who you were created to be. I got to tell my story. I'm old. I can repeat myself. <laughs> Planning on it. It's going to get worse as I get older. Just, this is a dumb illustration, but it's the greatest picture of, of our lives and what's happening to us today. Uh, the eagles, eaglet story. Somebody just come tell it for me, would you? There was this eagle nest one day. Mama Eagle had these little eaglets. You know, an eaglet's a little eagle. And uh, she was, you know, eagles are the majestic bird. I love eagles. And I just love to watch them. I was kayaking on Jordan Lake about two weeks ago. Went down a little finger. And in a tree right in front of me, one, the great bald eagle just took off and he just soared for me. And let me just watch him for a little bit over the finger there. And told him I appreciate it. And then he flew on. And they're the majestic bird. The eagle's the only creature God ever created that has the ability to look into the sun and not be bothered. People can't do it. No animal can, but an eagle can look at the sun and not be bothered. And they're, they're majestic. They're beautiful animals. And they have one enemy. Only they build their nest up in the rocky crags. They have one enemy and that's the serpent. And that's why God talks about his people mounting up with wings like an eagle. His people should be able to see the sun clearly. And they should have, we've only got one enemy and that's the serpent. It's not, it's not my wife or anybody else. But the little, eagle, the little eagle's nest had little eaglets in it. And uh, I, I think we could learn a lot about raising children from mama eagles. We need to go back to, throw your books away and call your grandma. She knows what to do. So that little eaglets get up a certain speed and she feeds them. You know, she'll go, she'll go, uh, dad'll catch food, daddy eagle catch food, bring them over. They'll even chew it for them. And then she'll put, I don't know if you've ever watched, Katie and I've got an eagle we've been watching for years uh, down at the coast, down Outer Banks. We go in there, every time we go, we go in there, same eagle family. And they'll chew it and they'll put it in their little mouths, just put the food in there. She does everything for them. And then all of a sudden, them eaglets reach a certain age. And she said, that's it, dude. You ever heard of out of the nest? And she takes her wing and she flips them out of the nest. Not that she don't love them. She just knows this time you grow up. Time you learn how to do this on your own. So she flips them out of the nest. Of course, they can't fly. They, you know, they look like a fur ball rolling down. the. And then she'll let them fall for a while and trying to fly. That's what I'm doing right there. Trying to fly. She'll rifle down and she'll go below them and pick them up. You ever heard in the Bible on the wings of eagles? She'll pick them up, bring them back, put them back in the nest. They'll go, she'll go whoop. And she'll throw them out again. There they go. And she'll do that over and over until they finally get it. And then they can start. That's how eaglets learn how to fly. You mamas need to start doing that to your 30-year-olds. <laughs> and uh, one day, I think Daddy was out soaring. I don't know. Daddy was building. He was a Baptist. He was building new nests. Mama was out singing and soaring because she was charismatic. Nobody was watching the children over there. And little eagle got the edge. He fell out. So he boom, 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 all the way down the mountain. He rolls and just lands on the floor down there below the mountain. He's just sitting there, he's bruised. He, you know, he's all beat up. All of a sudden, along comes a flock of turkeys. 
And these turkeys are scratching in the dirt and they're just digging up worms and they're scratching and they stopped and said, what's wrong, little fella? He said, I, I'm, I'm lost. I don't know. They, they said, come on, be one of us. Just come get in our bunch. So he fell in with them turkeys and uh, they took him in and he, he learned how to talk like a turkey. It's called turkey talk. And he learned how to dig in the dirt like turkeys do. He learned how to eat grubs and he just became one of them and they just went on their way. And, but you know, after a while he got to thinking, I'm glad to have these friends and I'm getting pretty good at this turkey talking, but something just ain't, this just ain't right. Something just don't feel right with me, with my newfound friends and my new life. So one day they're going along and all of a sudden this, I don't know if you ever heard one or not. I, it happened to me one time. I was fishing at Jordan Lake. It was on the front of my bass boat. Didn't realize that I had eased right up under an eagle sitting right there. And apparently he didn't like it. And I'm just, you know, it's quiet. And he let out one of them eagle screams right over top of me. I like to pee in my britches. It scared me to death. <laughs> it's just a, wow. They just got this scream that they let out. Not when, you know, not when they're calling, but when they're mad. I just said, mad. I ain't never asked one. But when they do that, and uh, all of a sudden they're out there just turkey walking one day. And one of those mighty eagles came over and let out that scream. And them turkeys scattered. They ran. And that little fella just looked up and he thought, man. He thought that's the greatest thing he'd ever seen. And just something happened right here when he heard that eagle and saw what he could do. So they go on scratching. Later on that evening, he, he just can't figure this out. So he sits down on a little log there, little twig log, folds his little eagle legs and he's sitting there and he's thinking, what's, what's wrong with me? I got friends, I got grub, I, got, I can talk turkey. And uh, he hears a voice and says, what's wrong little fella? and looks up in the wise old owl sitting in a tree looking at him. He sees that he's bothered. He said, what's wrong, little fella? He said, I, I don't know. He said, I, I got these great friends. We're buds. These are my homeboys. You know, we, I, we, I got plenty of grub to eat. I got all this to do, but something, something just ain't right inside of me. And the wise old owl looked down at him and said, son, your problem is you don't know who you are. <laughs> exactly what happened. It's true. Happened. And so then the wise old I went explain to him, you, that's who you're acting like. That's not who you are. You were never created to dig in the dirt. You weren't created to talk turkey. You were created to soar. You were created to mount up with wings like that eagle. You were created to run and not be weary. You should be screaming, not scratching. And you ain't got no business hanging around with him either. And uh, he said, where did you get that stupid story from? Romans 12, 2. That's Romans 12, 2 in bird language. That's what it is. Let's read Romans 12, verse 2. Bird language. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world. Be changed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might find out what God created you to be. That you might find the good, acceptable, and best will of God. I love this verse. This verse says, don't let them tell you how to live. Don't scratch in the dirt like they do. Don't talk like they do. Don't, you're created for more than this. Don't follow them. Change the way you think so you can find out what you were created to be. And uh, th this is the great, uh, I want to talk about becoming who you were created to be. 
Are you an original artwork of the master's hand or have you become a knockoff? Are you a, an imitation of somebody else? All right, there's a great secret hidden in that verse right there. Then as the Bible says this in Ephesians 2.10, we are his, we are the work of his hand. We are the creation of his hand. I can say it this way, you are God's artwork. I don't feel like artwork. Well, then let's use Jeremiah 18.6. Just as the clay is in the hands of the potter, so my hands are on you to shape you into something. And we were created by God. Not just our bodies, our personalities, our passions. Our, our, we were created by God to be something. And But how does Satan steal God's artwork? You know God got his artwork ripped off. All of us. Satan comes to steal what did he steal? He stole the original creation of what we were created to be. I was not created to be on drugs. I wasn't created to be living out in the road. I wasn't created to be tearing things up and arrested like I was. I was created for something more than that. But the way Satan steals God's artwork is it's in the word conform. Conformity. He takes God's artwork and he boogers it all up. And he messes it all up and he repaints it like he wants it to be instead of being the original it was created to be. And if you let this culture tell you how to think, this is all you can do. We're caught up in a mess right now in this land. This land's telling everybody, find you a reason to fail. God created you to find a reason to succeed. And this world crams us into this mold. It tells us how to think. It tells us how to talk. It tells us how to dress. Yeah, and all this stuff. And this world will just mold you into something way below what God, you're going to be a turkey. You're going to be scratching around in the dirt. You ain't got no business in the dirt, talking turkey, running with turkeys. You were created to soar. God did not, where's the picture? Where's the picture? Is the son of God not the most wonderful, perfect person that ever lived? That's your model right there. We were created to be conformed to the image of his son, not a bunch of turkeys. And, uh, but them turkeys are powerful. They'll call you. So this confirmation thing, the world mashes us. All right, listen to me. Here's what's going to happen. Even if you do good, even if you become very successful in everything the world tells you to be, you become a great thinker, you, 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 know, you become a great golfer, a great singer, you get rich, you build a big business. Even if you, if you reach the top of what this world says you need to be, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be just like that little eaglet. Something down here is going to go, this ain't, how many have done it? How many people have gotten to the absolute top but their hearts are not satisfied. We were created by God to be contented, fulfilled, at peace, and enjoy this life. How many people got to the top of the ladder? My, my dear friend, that, that prophet of yesteryear, Mick Jagger, he's 80 years old this year. 80 years old. And you know what? He still can't get no satisfaction. And it's true. I've watched him in interviews. I mean, the man made zillions of dollars. He's famous worldwide, had 300 chicks, and he is looking his eyes. Yep, yep. It ain't working. And now my dear friend who sort of replaced him, Lady Gaga, <laughs> filthy rich, world follows her. She's got this following. Can I ask you a question? Why is she on depression medication? 
Why is she so severely depressed? I, I, who's, she's got it. She got to the top of the ladder in what we call success. Why is she so depressed? Then was your heart was not created but for one thing. And your heart will never be content until you find out who you were created to be and do that. You're, we'll just never. It's not that it's bad. It's empty. It's empty. And let me tell you why your heart's like that. Your heart's like that because Hebrews 8.10 says this. I have written my law, my plans on their heart. God created our hearts to want something more than just food and burping. The human heart, people want something. But the problem is we don't know what we want because he, he wrote on our hearts and you'll never find what your heart, your heart will never be delighted till you find out that's what he made me to be right there. That's who I am right there. And we got this con game going on. That's why the Bible said we looked last week, I think it, Psalm 40 verse eight that says, I delight to do your will. And your plan is written on my heart. What a great verse. And we, I think we also use Psalm 37, four, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give, he is the only one who can give you the desire of your heart. Oh, you can have fun and this buzz and that buzz, but guess what? It always gets old. It always gets old. You know, you get a new car, don't put your feet there. Be careful. Next three weeks later, you're throwing McDonald's bags in the back mess. You ain't near as interested as you were. Everything gets old except morning by morning, new mercies I see. All right, so along comes, yes, that's right, brother, Brian, people need to be Christians. Hang on. This great deception comes along called Christianity. And I'm going to put it in parentheses, Christianity in parentheses. A lot of what we're calling it in this nation. And uh, we meet this man, Jesus. We hear the gospel. It sounds good. Follow me, yada, yada. So we, Jesus says to follow me. So we want to follow Jesus. But all of a sudden, this thing called church grabs us and teaches us how to follow them. And guess what happens to us? I, when I was a young man, I was conformed to this world. I, you know, I drugs, sex, drugs, rock and roll, pistols, all that crap. So then I meet, I really met Jesus. I got saved. And this church grabbed me and said, come with us, little fella, and we'll teach you what to do. All they did was just conform me to another something that wasn't Jesus. And it, it, we were not supposed to follow the church. Jesus didn't say go to church, be like him. He said, follow me. He's the original designer and we end up being conformed to the church that we're a part of. How do you know that's your original design? How do you know they know? You say, Brother Brian, that's a preacher. He went to school. Did the Pharisees not go to school? Who were the Pharisees? They're the most educated religious people you ever met. They had an entire church system. They weren't like Jesus. Do you think that was God's plan for them? The son of God said they're sons of the devil. Matter of fact, one of my favorite verses for the Pharisees is uh, Matthew 23, where he said this. You not only, you preachers not only did not enter the kingdom of God, you messed up people who were trying to get in. Have we really pointed people to Jesus or we just try to make them American Christians? So you conform yourself to whatever the church says. <clears throat> we're gonna have some fun here. How you know the church is what Jesus wants it to be? So, Brother Brown, they're, they're trained. Been doing it for 70 years. Oh, so you think how long you've been doing it means something? Let's have some fun. Turn with me to Matthew 21. This is called the pissed off Jesus. Go. Oh, preach, baby. What's up? Uh, you fixing to see it? 
Yeah, I'll get an email over that. Everybody thinks it'd be wonderful, Lord, visit our house. You sure you want Jesus to come to your church? Let's look at when he came to church one time in Matthew 21. They had a big banner out there. Jesus will be here Sunday. Bring covered dish. Get here early if you want to see it. Jesus is coming. Uh, you didn't want to be at the front of that crowd if Jesus got in there. I want you to look at me. This passage has affected my life so much in the preaching side. Verse 12, Matthew 21, 12. Then Jesus went into the temple or the church of God. I don't know if it's of God or not. <clears throat> and he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. He kicked their tables over and the seats of those who sold doves. Where's your Mr. Roger Jesus now? <clears throat> he is PO'd. He's furious. Matter of fact, in another uh, gospel, it tells it three times in the Bible, three different gospels. In another place in the gospels, it said he looked in and he went back out apparently to his shed and fashioned a whip and then went back in there and did that. He didn't lose his temper. He saw what they're doing. He said, I'll be right back. And he went and the Bible said he didn't go get a whip. He fashioned it. That means he went and got the stuff and he made it. So wait till I get back in that church. <laughs> he wove it together and made that whip. And then he took that whip in that church and he walked in there and he just stood there. And then guess what he did with the whip? You say, surely Christ didn't strike somebody. Ask the preachers. He wore them out. Tables flying, doves going everywhere, money and preachers bouncing down the front steps. I've never seen a movie made out of this. Why not? This is the one we need the movie made out of right here. This was a fun, how'd you like to be an apostle right here? Jesus cleans house in the church. All right. How many of you think he's got a problem with the church here? Let's read what the problem was. Verse 13. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. I want you to look at two phrases in that verse. Let's look at them. He said, it is written, watch these words. My house shall be, look at the words, but you have made it. Can you see those two phrases right there? Jesus said, my house should be like this. You've made it like this. I'm of your consent he don't like what they've done in the church. I mean, who is this guy? What right does he have to come in here and dump our church upside down? He's acting like he's God or somebody. What right does he have to go in there and tear their church up? Notice it says, my house. You know why the church belongs to Jesus? Somebody tell me, what does the Bible say? Because he purchased it with his blood. He owns the church. He can do whatever he wants to with it. And uh, I never saw Jesus get mad with sinners. Did you? Tell me anywhere in the four gospels he got mad with hookers, thieves. Who's the only people he ever got mad with? Religious people. And he said, my house was supposed to be like this. You've made it like this. And it made him so angry. Now, all right, now watch this with me. So obviously these guys were teaching people how to be like them. They weren't like Jesus. Can you see that? So these people had to quit sinning and become like us. Both of them were the wrong conformities. Well, watch these words. I love this. Then, well, see verse 14. What does the word then mean? After he threw the religion out of the church, after he put that thing like he wanted it, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Do you get a feeling that his house is supposed to be a place where screwed up people come and get healed? 
it wasn't happening until he went in there and jerked a knot in them. And after he changed the way they did church, all of a sudden people start coming in there and they, he starts helping people. The preachers made him religious. Jesus wanted to help them. And that's why he was so ill with them. And uh, let me tell you something. Jesus is not the only person pissed off in this thing. Watch this. I probably shouldn't say pissed in church. Verse 15. When the chief priests and scribes saw, watch these, the wonderful things he did. That's church. Tell me what church ought to be. It's a place where Jesus can do wonderful things to help people. But the preachers had it so boogered up, Jesus couldn't help anybody. There were no wonderful things happening in that church, just religious things. When they saw the wonderful things God did, healing broken people's lives, watch this. And, and he did, and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the Son of God. Watch these words. They were indignant. Guess what indignant means in Southern Alamance County? Now you got mad preachers. You'd be surprised that the religious people would get ill if Jesus came back to church. And, but it's, listen, you know why he's so angry here? But listen, where do you get this mild-mannered Mr. Roger Jesus? Where do you get that sick guy in them pictures on church walls? That ain't Jesus. Jesus is happy. I don't know what that is. Where do we get this mild-mannered Jesus? Let me tell you something. Our God is a passionate God. He, he's passionate about people. That's why in the book of Revelation, the only true picture of Jesus anywhere in the world is the book of Revelation. John said, I saw him. And what, what did it say about him? I saw, he had fire in his eyes. It wasn't the fire of anger. It was the fire of passion and compassion and love for people. You don't nail yourself to a cross and not care what happens to people. He was, can you not see in this past? He is serious about helping people. And he says, I'm going to jerk a knot in this church if I got to, to get these people some help. And uh, then, of course, he comes in, he helps people. Once he gets church straightened out, he helps people. And uh, let me just cut to the chase. In innocence, so many people left the raising hell lifestyle to become Christians, and all they got was conformed to another lifestyle that wasn't Jesus to start with. You know, I, I'll be honest with you, I followed, I don't know, rock and roll for years, and then I ended up being religious for years, and they, both of them sucked. This is not my night, is it? Mm. It's awful. It's just terrible. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just talk like this. I, my wife tells me to shut up all the time when I ask this stuff. I, I, preachers will get up on the plate. We'll we're talking. They're going to talk and they say, we're so glad to have you here. And I think, I've said to her, does he talk to his wife like that at night to bed? What do you think? I don't think Jesus put on a preaching voice. I think he just loved people and talked. All right. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. All right, let me tell you what'll happen. And you see if this hadn't happened. People follow Jesus looking for something better. The church mashes them into their mold. And the large majority of Christians surveyed say, I'm a little disappointed in what I thought it would be. Guess why? They hadn't found their original purpose. All they found was church. I don't, I don't care if you become the greatest quote Christian there is. And you don't smoke, you don't cuss, you don't drink, you don't say piss in church. I don't care what you do. You do all that stuff. Your heart will never be content with that. It's not about what you don't do. It's about finding who God made you to be. And you can go to church all your life and never find that. You just find out how to be a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian or a, I shouldn't start Episcopalian, Lutheran, Catholic, Roman Catholic. All right. This culture puts pressure on people. Would you agree? You ever heard this? Peer pressure? What is it? It's a pressure to conform, fit in. 
I feel so sorry for these little middle school kids, little middle school girls and high school girls. They walk in, you see it in their eyes. Have I got the right clothes on? Have I got my phone in my pocket? Am I, is my hair cool? Am I, are they going to accept me here? What is that? That's the pressure to fit in. Men have it too. I watch men get in a group amongst the men and all of a sudden they, hey man, hey man, hey man, hey dude. I said, do you say man all the time? Can you say something else? And this, our, our industry, the film industry, the motion picture, it screams at you. If you don't look like this, you ain't right. There's just this pressure, pressure to what? To conform. Right, what do they use to conform? What's the power behind conformity? Fear. The fear that I'm not going to be accepted. The fear that I won't fit in at this group. The fear that I won't have any friends at that school. The fear that I won't be one of the boys. The fear that I can't do this. Listen, Satan motivates with fear. And the fear, the pressure to conform is one of the greatest fears in the world. So we get saved and we come to church and guess what we do there to people? Same spirit. Same spirit of fear. And people going, it's going through a tough time in my house. Brother said, hey, brother, praise our Lord. Praise our Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Beautiful day, isn't it, brother? Praise our Lord. <laughs> Faking it, man. And I'm not saying you should puke all over everybody all the time, but there's the same pressure in there. I went to visit a guy one time. He didn't even go to church. His wife went. She said, would you come see my husband? I said, every other preacher tried it. Let me try it. I go in there and <clears throat> he didn't know I was coming. You know, if you tell them, they won't be there. <laughs> so I go in there. I'm normal. I don't, I, I'm normal. So I walk in there. He's drinking Budweiser beer on the couch. I walk in, he shoves that beer under the thing, under the skirt of the couch where I can't see it. Talks a minute. I said, your beer's going to get hot if you don't drink it. <clears throat> he wasn't even, he didn't even go to church. He just knows how, he knows how we are. I went out in the parking lot a while back. One of my kids was out there listening to, I, don't, I think it was ACDC. Oh, let me find me a Christian radio station. Preacher, <laughs> preacher standing here. What is this? Turn it on. I like them. I said, gosh, I'm in trouble now. Shouldn't have told that. But if you're going to make them mad, make them real mad here. This, this look that we get from church people apologize. This look that we get, this church community that says you better fit in. Don't you screw up in this place. You don't think we do this stuff in churches? Won't you let a man stand up in church and say, I'm struggling with pornography and I can't quit. Y'all pray for me and see what happens. There's more phoniness. There's more fear to conform in the church. Well, that, you're not going to find your created purpose living under fear trying to measure up to your daddy, measure up to the preacher, measure up to the whoever. You ain't got, excuse me, you don't have but one person you're supposed to measure up to. And he's pure freedom. You, you'll love what he, let me make an announcement. He who said fear not 360 times in this book does not use fear to motivate people. He uses hope and faith and that's what I want to be right there. All right. <clears throat> This culture punishes the nonconformist. You don't fit in, watch what we do to you. I saw, I think we have completely in this nation, we have completely gone over the edge 
insanity. I'm not one of them preachers who fusses about it, but I saw the ultimate insanity today in this nation. I knew we was moving toward it. I just didn't think we'd get there this quick. The state of Oregon next spring will have an initiative on the ballot to vote to ban the slaughter of all animals, period. Well, my wife would be fine and all you vegetable tearing's gonna be all right. But Chick-fil-A screwed in Oregon. I'll tell you that right now, Doc. <laughs> Goodbye, your Big Macs. And I just think, what are they doing to us normal people? You, say, well, you, you shouldn't be like that. God spoke to Peter and said, you see them animals rise, kill, and eat them. Take it up with the one who created them. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The planet was created for God and people, not chickens. Now, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Just add this to your email too. I am an active member of a conservationist organization. I believe we should take care of the earth. It's God's gift to us. But we don't need for the children to die and the pigs to live. Can I get a witness? I need to work with you a little bit. I just, I just feel like pissing everybody off tonight and I'm gonna do it. But, Let me tell you, you think, you, think our cities, you think our society is rough on people that won't bow down to them? Do you know what the church does to people that won't fit in and bow down to them? I knew a man one time, one of the greatest preachers that ever lived, and he would not fit in with their program. And one day a group of them came to him and said, how come you don't live according to our tradition? And he said, why don't you live according to the Bible? And they nailed him to a cross because he would not fit in with their program. Government didn't kill Jesus, the church did because he wouldn't fit in. Romans, Mark chapter seven, they said, why do you not yield to the tradition of the church elders? He said, you hypocrites, why don't you obey the Bible? I've been asking that for years. We need to, I love Martin Luther said this. He said, for every 10 men I can find that'll die for the Bible, I can't find one that'll just read it. I'm with him. I think we should obey it. Uh, but let me tell you something. This man, Jesus, I love this man, Jesus. You cannot read the four gospels and not say, that's life right there. That's what people ought to live like right there. And that's the man I want to be like. You know what a disciple is? A disciple is not somebody who's memorized a bunch of junk. A disciple is somebody who has found one person they are obsessed with and they want to be like them. That's a disciple. If Gandhi had them, Mother Teresa had them, Jesus has got them. That's a disciple. All right. Where's the only place God created this heart in you right here. And there's a plan written for it. Where's the only place you can find it? You're not going to find it on the internet. You're not going to find it in some sleazy bar. Sadly, you may not find it in churches. Where's the only place you can find what you were created to be? You need to talk to your creator. How many of you know the... Listen to this. I'm gonna quote, I quoted Jeremiah 18, 6 earlier. Let me give it to you. I love Jeremiah 18, 6. This is a... We got to get this. Jeremiah was a preacher, prophet. God woke him up one morning. He said, go to the potter's house, lean against the door and watch and I'll talk to you. So he goes to the potter's house. He's leaning there and he's watching the potter work. And he said, the potter's making his pot and it, it gets boogered up. I don't think it says boogered up. It says marred, I think. In other words, he messes it up. So he just mashes it all together and he starts over and he makes a new pot out of it. And the Bible said, then the word of the Lord came to him and it said, just as the clay 
is in that potter's hand to do whatever he wants to with it. So you are in my hand to be fashioned into whatever I want you to be. The only place you're going to find what you was created to do is the one who's created to create you or is your creator. You got to ask him. You say, God, am I supposed to have one of these loud personalities or should I be mild and quiet like they are at the church? Am I a preacher or am I a farmer? What is, tell me everything about me, God. Tell me about my personality. Tell me about what I'm supposed to like. Tell me about my gifts. Tell me about where I belong. You shape me for something. And there was, <clears throat> what is the sign that I'm not in my, in my group? What's the sign that I'm not right where I'm supposed to be? Something's not settled on the inside. My brother, brother Paul said this, he find, I found no rest in my spirit. How many people got restless souls? They, they got plenty of money. They got, they're healthy, got a good family, but something just ain't. The man that helped me so much, he said, you know, I, we struggled as our family. He's a country preacher, struggled. And finally got a good church and I've never had more money. My kids are eating good and got a nice car now and got my church is doing great. But he said, something on the inside just wasn't right. He said, matter of fact, he said, it was sort of like washing your feet with your socks on. It just didn't feel right. And he said, so I fasted and I prayed for a while and, and the father showed me, I didn't create you to be there. You're not in the right place. It's good, but this, you can't get settled on the inside till you find your slot. Exactly what he created you to be. Job-wise, family-wise, I mean, everything. Only, you, only the father can show you this stuff. I got in trouble for saying this a while back, so since this is my night to get in trouble, I'll say it again. I went to see, my daddy was an tinkerer. He loved to tinker. He had a shop. He'd go in there and just tinker and create stuff. And half the time, you couldn't figure out what it was. And I went over, we went down there to see him one day. And uh, even in his 90s, he'd tinker. And went up there and I went up and he had something standing against the door of his shop. And I looked at it. I couldn't figure out what it was. I picked it up. I stared at it. And it had a long shaft, about five, six foot long, T-post wick on it. I couldn't figure it out. And I said, what is this right here? Is this for pulling out? I thought he made it to pull apples out of the apple tree. He didn't. He put a seven up bottle on a stick for that. He'd lift them up. I said, I thought you hooked apples. He said, no, son. He said, it's a honomo. And um, I said, so what's a honomo? I said, sounds to me like a prostitute got saved and straightened up. What is this? <laughs> he took it. He said, you're holding it wrong. He turned it upside down. He said, look here. He said, you pour Roundup or weed killer in this end, it goes down there and it saturates that wick and you can just touch the weeds without hurting the flowers. That's why it's called a hoe no more. You don't have to hoe no more. I could have looked at that thing for three weeks. I'd have never figured it out. You got to ask the guy who made it, what did you do here? Why are you letting your teacher tell you what you was created to be? For God's heaven, why are these girls letting Lady Gaga tell them what they're supposed to be when she's not depressed? Why are we letting some stiff preacher who don't even know who he's following tell us what to be? Who's the only person who can tell you what he created you to be? You gotta let him show you who he created you to be. Only place you're gonna find him. All right, let me ask you a question. What are you gonna do in this life? You can do three things. You can be conformed to this world and go along to get along and you'll be all right. You get your bills paid, be a good citizen, but you'll never find the contentment in your heart that God created you to find. Or you can become religious, go to church. I'm talking about good churches and just, you know what, just be whatever they tell you to be and cooperate and all that stuff. You will still be empty on the inside. One of the most shocking things I've ever seen recently, a Barna poll recently, 50, half the American preachers said this, I'd quit tomorrow if I could. If I delight to do your will, what does that tell me right there? You say church folks is rough. They always been rough. 
It's not about an easy life. It's about an adventurous life. It's not about an easy life. It's about finding your slot and the, the, the satisfaction and contentment that comes from being there, even if it is a little rough. I got news for you. Easy ain't always the best. All right. All right. Let me tell you what else you can do. And you're going to miss what he planned or you can buck the system like Jesus did. And you can say, I'm not being conformed to this world. And I ain't going to be religious either. I'm going to follow him and I'm going to live fulfilled. If you, if you find your slot, three things the Bible promises will happen. Number one, the Bible says this, you, you will find yourself fulfilled. You'll say, man, I'm happy. This is, this is what I wanted right here. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Your heart will be fulfilled. You'll find fulfillment. Number two, you'll, you'll be satisfied in life. You'll say, man, I delight to do your will. And then number three, things will happen. Jesus said, you abide in me. Whoever abides in me bears much fruit. You'll see God do, th God do things through you. You don't have to do them. You just show up. You just drive him around in you, dressed up in you. Now, all right, let me help you with something here where we're really getting messed up. Why can I not find God's design for my life even watching other people who found it? One of the dumbest things you can do if you're gonna be a preacher is go hang around other preachers and learn from them. How do you know he wants you to be like them? So you're gonna be a missionary. Why would you go learn from other missionaries? What if he doesn't want you to be like them? All right, let me show you this verse again. We looked at it last week. Turn with me to Psalm 33. Here's why you can't learn from even good Christian people. I mean, you can pick up some general principles on life, like learning just quick cussing and drinking and raising hell. You learn that. But you can't find what you were created to be from anybody else that's even found it. Here's the reason. I wish we would turn people loose and quit putting them in our little cookie cutter mold. Let them be what the creator made them to be. I don't understand what we don't get about our creator. You ever been outdoors? Three of us been outdoors. That's good. <laughs> You know what this book says? Where's the first place you should learn about God? Not in church, not even in the Bible. Where's the first place? Romans 1, nature. He said, nature's the first place you learn about God because he created it. Well, let me tell you what I learned in nature. He don't do cookie cutter. I don't see any two leaves that are alike out there. I don't see one bush everywhere. I see, I see all kinds of stuff everywhere. What do we learn from the animal kingdom? A hummingbird is not a giraffe. Same creator. Don't you know he was having a fun day? He said, stretch his neck out. Let's see what it looks like. <laughs> a shark is not a toad. What do we learn from nature? He makes things different. Let me tell you what else we learn from nature. Learn this about your father. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He makes all things beautiful in his time. He got one goal for your life and that's to be the beautiful creation he created you to be. And this great verse in Psalm 33, 15 says this. He fashions, let, let's back up 13. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the people on the earth, sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants. He fashions their hearts, what? Individually. He's got a fashion and a life for you that he's not going to give to anybody else. And he don't want you like anybody else. We were every, you say, how can you make 8 billion pieces of artwork and no two pieces are alike? He's, he's sharp. <laughs> he can do it, man. He's just, and we keep getting crammed into, we talk like them or think like them or act like them. Why don't you just be who God made you to be? 
Find out what he's fashioned your heart individually to be. And this is where we get in trouble trying to mentor people. You can teach people, but don't let them duplicate you. God don't need number two. He needs number one, you. Roman, I mean, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 12 teaches the same thing. Listen to what it says. There are differences of gifts and people, but the same spirit working in everybody. Find out what he created you to be. All right, let me just take you on a little, we got time to take a little quick tour here through scripture. I want you to look at people that found their place in God. I'm gonna list four or five here. Because you know, we think of Christian, what we think of. We got this we got this mental picture of a Christian. How do you know that's what he wants them to be? All right, follow with me here. And it's all from scripture. We won't look at it, I'll just tell you. Would you say that David was a man after God's own heart? King David. Was David a man that God created? Do you think David found his place in God? He did. All right, let me tell you about this man. He, he was a warrior. He, was, he had no fear in him whatsoever. You don't jump on a bear with your hands. Where's your Mr. Rogers? Where's Mr. Rogers in the Bible? I keep finding him in the pulpit in America. Where's he at in the Bible? <laughs> David tackled the fiercest warrior in the earth with a, start to say, with a slingshot. He'd jump on anything. He was a warrior. Let me tell you what else he was. He was a musician. God made him the greatest musician that ever lived. He was so anointed as a musician, he could play his harp. Demons fled. You don't see them two together in one man. God can do it. But what was the great trait of King David? He was one of the, he's the greatest leader that ever lived. People would fall, jump off the cliff for him. God gave him a gift to be a leader and a warrior and a musician. And he was an outdoorsman. All right, God made him that way and he found his place in God. What about Mary? Mary was not an outdoors woman. Mary was not a leader. Mary was not fierce. Mary was tender. Talking about the mother of Jesus, Mary was tender. You know what Mary was? She was a homebody. She was made by God to be a homebody. She ain't going out and leading nobody anywhere. Mary was created to be a mother. That was God's design for a life. I, about a, well, it was last week. I met one of my little girls. She just graduated. She goes to church here, a little high school girl. She just graduated. And I, I've seen her around, most beautiful little smile, just a cutest little girl. I got to talking to her. I had some time to talk to her there. I said, so tell me, tell me about you. And she told me where she, background. I said, uh, so what you, what you want to do? What are you going to do with your life? And she hesitated. She said, well, I said, don't hesitate. Tell me, what do you want to do? She said, God's put it in my heart to be a mother and a, and a wife. And I want to live on a farm. She said, everybody's dogging me because I don't want to go to college and be a pharmacist. And she's brilliant. She's a smart girl. She, that's not what God, she said, God put it in my heart to marry a farmer and raise children and love God, love my husband and children. I said, you listen to me. None of them know what they're talking about. I do. <laughs> I said, do not let, listen to what I told her. Don't let this world conform you to their standards. You listen to what God wrote on your heart. And I knew by discernment, she was, what he put in her. I said, you do what he's calling you to do. And I said, you trust him. And don't you take the first bozo that comes along either. <laughs> do not ever settle. You wait to, <clears throat> God Almighty brought Eve to Adam and it worked. A little bumpy there at times, but it worked. I said, you let God bring you the man and you be what God created you to be. I don't care what anybody says. See that, but God makes people like that. He made Mary like that. Mary, I think Mary pretty up, pretty high totem pole, I think. All right, you remember a guy named Barnabas? Barnabas wasn't going to confront anybody. Barnabas was a, a, a man of mercy. He had the gift of mercy. He was the great, what of the Bible? He was the great encourager of the Bible. 
He was the mercy. Barnabas was the bridge builder of the Bible. He, when people fell out, he brought them together. You remember when Paul got, Saul got saved, became Paul, the church wouldn't let him in because they heard how evil he was. The Bible said Barnabas went and got him and brought him to him and said, no, he's one of us now. Y'all listen to him. He was bringing people together. Barnabas was so tenderhearted. He was a man of mercy. When, his, when young John Mark couldn't take the stoning and Paul fired him, Barnabas said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Go easy on him. And God made him to be like that. He was a man of mercy. And, and uh, for heaven's sake, don't be like me. My wife will tell you one's enough. Son, don't, you can't be like anybody. You got to be like God made you to be. And you, you'll never be content imitating even something great. Because that ain't who you are. That's not who written on your heart. All right, one of my favorite ones. How about Bezaliel? I like him. How about Bezaliel? You didn't know he's in there, did you? Let me show you something that rocks the church world on its head. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 31. Let's look at Bezaliel. Boy, when I read these names in the Bible, I thank God for names like Brian and Joe and Frank. A guy named Bezaliel. Do y'all know who he was in the Bible? Watch this. This, this just dumps some, this dumps both the culture and the church upside down. A guy named Bezaliel in the Bible. Look what the Bible says about this man. All right, God's talking to Moses. See, up on the mountain, God's talking to Moses, telling him to do some things. Uh, Exodus 31.1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, see, saying, See, now what's his word? Who's talking here? God's talking. I have called by name Bezaliel, the son of Ira, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. What do he say? God says, I've chosen that man. And I've called him. His name's Bezaliel. I've filled him with the Spirit of God. Stop right there. Right, well, you think about a man that God's called. And God's filled him with the Holy Ghost. What comes to your mind? Preacher? Evangelist? Watch this. I've filled him with the Spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of what? Craftsmanship, workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold, silver, bronze, cutting jewels, setting in carving wood, all manner of workmanship. This guy wasn't a leader. He wasn't an evangelist. God created him to be a what? A craftsman, to work in wood, to be artistic. He was a loner. He wanted to be out in his shop. He didn't want to be around people. He said, well, you need to quit tinkering with that wood and get out here and preach the gospel. Don't tell him what he's supposed to be. God said, I called him and I put my spirit on him to work in wood. See, we think if, if you get filled with the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden you got to walk around passing out tracks. I ain't passing out no tracks. And would y'all please quit leaving them at the hospital? They call me when you leave them on the toilet over there because it's got my church's name on it. The toilets aren't lost. The people are. I ain't never going to get the independent Baptist out of you. Talk to them face to face, doc. Quit littering up the bathroom over and them calling me fussing. Don't you ever look at anybody else and wish you had what they got. God put his spirit on you to be who you are. My wife would, she'd croak before she'd talk in front of a crowd. And so she ought to speak up. You ought to shut up. God put his spirit on her to teach kindergartners. I mean, she, she wallers in it. She's, re, she's retirement age, past retirement age. Gets up at five o'clock every morning, can't wait to get there. Loves them little snotty-nosed youngins being around her. God created her to be that. Don't find out what he made you to be. And it's probably not going to be 
in the ministry of religious. Can I throw in one more? I knew he was going to say yeah. One of my favorite, Jehu. You got to love Jehu. He was the terminator of the Old Testament. I don't, where do we get these Mr. Rogers? I'm sorry, I, keep, I don't know why Mr. Rogers is on the brain tonight, but you know what American Christianity has become? Mild-mannered men telling mild-mannered people how to be more mild-mannered. Where'd you get that from? Read the Bible. These dudes were a hoot in here. Jehu is a man that God raised up to straighten things out. And uh, the Bible starts off about Jehu and Jehu is on his chariot and he's driving toward the city of Jerusalem. And the watchman says, I see a chariot coming and he's driving crazy. It's like the driving of Jehu. <laughs> I got that gift. Jehu busts through the gates. He didn't ask permission. He stops. He looks up at the queen. The queen's come out on her perch up there, Jezebel. And the Bible said she painted her eyes and she got all huzzied up. Well, huzzy up's not in there, but she was talking about that seductive crap. She painted her eyes and she said, is it you, Jehu? And he said to her, don't start that mess with me. Cheap sex will never match the permanent will of God in my life. Don't start that mess with me, huzzy. Spirit of Jezebel is a spirit of seduction. There's certain preachers don't fall for it. They found something more valuable. And he looks up and he says, who is on God's side up there? These little associates look over the edge and they say, he, looked, he said, chunk her down, boys. And they grabbed the queen, threw her off the balcony and the Bible said she hit the pavement in front of him and Jehu jumped on her with his horse and stomped her to death with his horse. Stomped her into pudding. You know where he got that from? Read all the way back, 2 Kings. God said, I have anointed him to straighten things out. Stomped her to death. I ain't done yet. Stomped her to death. <laughs> Till the blood ran down the street and the dogs licked it, as was prophesied by Elijah. And he got off his horse. He had somebody hold his horse. He said, clean her up and go bury her. He went inside and he ate dinner while he's burying her. That's my man right there. The terminator of the Bible. Now, now time out, time out. God made him like that, but we don't need to be chunking queens off the balcony today. Can I get a witness? It's a spiritual picture, guys, spiritual picture. You know who that is? You know who that is? That's the prayer warrior. I've heard people say, my mama was a prayer warrior. Probably not. She might've been a praying person, but she wasn't a prayer warrior. A, prayer, a praying person is somebody who prays a lot for other people. A prayer warrior goes and gets where nobody can hear them and they challenge devils in prayer and kill them. I mean, they, these are these kind, they're just a few people like this, but they were ordained by God to clean out the heavenlies in prayer. And they're, they're a hoot. We could use them in this town right now. We could use them in this nation right now. Do you see the people of the Bible, how different they were? But God made each of them different. Well, who'd he make you to be? What's your thing? If, you got the Mary, if you're a Mary type person, don't try to be Jehu. Jezebel, whoop you. Be who God, listen, don't ever let anybody, don't ever let that crap get in your head that I'm not. Yes, you are. God don't make no junk. And then, of course, my favorite of all time, the great picture of the Bible, Simon. So any way you cut it, hot, tempered, impestuous, redneck, any way you cut it. Everybody laughs at Simon, but you know, very few people get it with Simon. What was it about Simon? He had the one trait that God loves to use in people. It certainly wasn't his mild mannerism. 
I love a man who whoops his pocket knife out after he's been discipleship trained. <laughs> what was it about? He had a lot. Can I get a witness? He had some bumps. But what did he have that God can use? It's the one thing he had that very few Christians have. What was it? The man was a risk taker. He was a risk taker. He, he never feared failure. What he feared was the fear of not trying and failing. Twelve people sitting in a boat. Guess who's the only one that says, if I have to walk on water, I'll risk it and look like a fool to get to Jesus. He was a man who would take a risk. Because let me tell you something about our king. He loves risk. I don't know what happened to the American church. But he loves, he, like, he likes people like Abraham who will go out not knowing where they're going. Take a risk and see what he does. That was Simon's thing. I just like that kind of stuff. I got to quit because I got to get you lined up there. Only your creator can show you who you are. And if you'll look at what's, just let, let him show what's in you. Ask him, say, who am I? I don't mean what's my occupation like a dentist or a nurse or whatever. That's the little stuff there, doc. How am I supposed to live? Who am I supposed to be? Have I been crammed into somebody's mold? Have my parents overshadowed my personality? Has my husband overshadowed my personality? Who do you want me to be, God? Personality, what you love, what you don't love. I never know it's all right for us to like something and you not like it and vice versa. If we all like NASCAR, they'd get rich doing it. But it's okay to be different. It's okay to approach things different. And one of the worst things you can do is try to imitate or learn from somebody by doing what they do. It's okay to start out there. Let me, let me give this great picture in John 4. Here's what we need to say. This woman told these guys about Jesus. They came to Jesus. And Jesus stayed after a little while. Listen to what they said. At first, we followed him because we saw what you did and what you said. But now we've learned to hear him for ourselves. It's okay to follow, go to church, let the preacher tell you some things. It's okay to be mentored by your youth pastor or your parents or something. But you've got to reach a place where you can hear that man talk to you for yourself. And let him show you what you're supposed to be. And I want, to, I want to say this about finding out who you're supposed to be. Ask, just ask him and listen. Let me tell you something. If you find out who you're supposed to be, you will say, oh, this is me right here. This is who I was created to be right here. One of the greatest, I don't know, we threw the great prayer songs away years ago. This one went like this. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me, make me after thy will. Don't let the church tell you how to be. Don't let the culture tell you how to be. Don't let your mom, I love your mom. I'm sorry, I'm not knocking on your mom. I need to make nobody else mad tonight. Let God tell you how to be. Let him tell you what he molded you to be and what's in your heart. You'll love what he put in there. Quick question, I'm done. What if? What if we found our place in him? What would life look like if we really found who we were created to be? What would it look like? Can I ask you a question about them folks I was talking to in the Bible? Did they live boring, apathetic lives? Were they miserable and unfulfilled? They had a blast. Don't you know when he was stomping that woman to death, he was enjoying it. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Let's read a verse real quick. Turn to this verse and then we'll read it quick. Mark chapter one. It, this is back to the, this is the original call. You know, sometimes you got to go back to the calling, don't you? Then we forget how we got into this thing. I took a nurse from this church to Honduras one time. She'd been nursing for 20 years. I went to Honduras. I said, come down. I need you to nurse down here. Help us out nursing down here. She went down there. I think it was the third or fourth night. We'd been doing stuff during the day. It was hot. It was nasty. It was hard. It was wonderful. I love that stuff. I was sitting in there at night. Tears coming in her eyes. And she said, this week has helped me to remember why I got into nursing. 
Sometimes we can get into something and we can get so bogged down in the mud, we forget why we even gotten this thing to start with. My wife keeps a copy, a tape, a copy of our wedding ceremony in the end table right by the couch in case I forgot where we started from. Go get that thing, play it, boy. Let me show you where we started at right here. Don't ever get away from this verse right here. This is where we started, one verse. Mark 1, 17. Jesus said to them and to us, what did he say? Follow me. Follow me. And what? I will make you into something. Follow me. And I, listen, don't try to be what anybody else is. Don't try to be what this one says do. You just follow Jesus and watch what he makes you into. Let him make you into what he wants you to be. Let him turn you into that. We had the best time. We were in the, I got the guys in the luxury coach. You don't know what the luxury coach is. That's that fancy coach that sits on film sites where the superstars get to go in there and sit. You know, us peons, we have to stand out there in the shade and drink Coca-Cola, but we got a luxury coach for the superstars. So I'm in that thing today. I'm sitting there talking to the guys and we went to the movie Saturday and watched the guy who was in that coach here and I was talking to him about it. And uh, I said, I, I just love this. I said, you got the craziest bunch of people right here. I said, you got, you got these black folks that are into this. You got these white folks that are into this. You got these stuffy religious people over here. I said, you got Madonna doing makeup over here. And everybody, but everybody loves Jesus. Everybody there loves Jesus. I said, this is looking like church around here. I said, this is church. People praying together and encouraging each other. And nobody looks like anybody else. And you know, this one's got a headset on listening to ACDC and this one's over here singing when we all get to, I said, we're doing this right now. I said, we need to get off of it and let God be what people created them to be. I heard one, I heard somebody say, it was back over there. Somebody just thought this. You mean you let them wear ACDC shirt on that thing out there? Get off of it, doc. I got one in my drawer. I might just break it out too. Should have wore it tonight. It'd been great for tonight, wouldn't it? Just make everybody happy. I'm sorry. You be what he made you to be. You find out what God fashioned you to be and you do it and you'll find the life you're looking for. Jesus, I love you. The older I get, the more I chase you, the more beautiful you become. But your word says, the more I chase you, the more beautiful I'll become. You, why do we complicate this thing? You just said, just follow me, chase me. I will make you into something. I'll fashion you what I created you to be. I give you the praise of God. I really, this is on my heart today. This has been on my heart all day, Jesus. I want everybody in this room to find out who they were created to be in you. I, I see it in people's eyes, Jesus. I see the, am I fitting in? Am I being what I'm supposed to be? Am I doing this right? Where did the Lord set the people free? Set them free from the bondage of secret sin and drugs and pornography. But Lord, Jesus, don't let them get hooked on religion either. If we could see who you designed us to be, we would say, as your word says, it would be the pearl of great price to us. We'd give up everything we've got to find out who you were created, made us to be. I want to pray for my turkey friends tonight, dear Jesus. People running around in turkeys, scratching in the dirt. and Yeah, they're free to do it. Big deal. I pray that they'll hear the voice of God and say, you were created for more than that. You're supposed to soar like the great eagle Christian I meant you to be. I trust you for that. I want to praise you tonight. Thank you for setting me free from drugs and hell raising and rock and roll the first time. And thank you for setting me free from being a religious preacher the second time. I've had two great freedoms in my life. And Lord Jesus, after not, I might not have nowhere to preach, but at least I got you and I'm thankful for that. I pray for every person in this room to find and be what you made them to be. And they will say, 
This is it. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray, amen.